Kids Family Sunday, as Lily and Gabe announced to us on the video at the beginning. So uh, the children are staying with us today and joining us. And uh, just to affirm that in Family Sunday, uh, we are family. So from the youngest to the oldest, we're together to both worship and to gather around the word of the Lord. And with family, there's uh, usually some noise in family, right? And so if there is noise today uh, amongst the children with us, we welcome that. It's a wonderful gift from the Lord uh, to have children in our midst. And so we certainly just affirm that and welcome uh, little voices and noise during this time as well. And just to, uh, on that note as well with the mmm event for the men this week, uh, just for uh, the men to know that it's men as well as boys. And so dads can bring their children, their uh, teenagers with them to this as well. So uh, men, uh, boys, young men, all the way up to the oldest of the men who gather together for uh, food, fun, fellowship. So just that that is made known together. So on Family Sunday today, one of our uh, children, DA kids, did a lot of the work on the PowerPoint, so we're thankful for that. And uh, the title of the message today, Jesus, the Law and Prophets, and Spider-Man. We'll get to that this morning together. You're wondering where in the world is he going with this. So I want you to give me your perspective here for a second. I have two copies of the scriptures this one and this one. Now notice, this one's print. If you could see it, it's like, I mean, you would need like magnifying glasses, no matter how good your eyes are to see this one. So I want you to ask you a question. We have this size with teeny print. This size has small print too, but not nearly as small. If I were to ask you, compare the two, that you had to read, you had to know, and you had to obey everything that was in these. And you had your choice between the two, to read everything, to know everything, and to do everything contained in it. Which one would you choose to be the one that you would do? This one or this one? How many would choose this one? How many would choose this one? All right. So by the show of hands, this one has the win. And I'm assuming if I had my choice and no one told me what was contained in either of these, if I had my choice, I'd be doing this one too. And the reason I would be, and I'm guessing it's probably the reason that those of you who are putting up your hands for this one is, is because this one has a lot more that you have to read, that you have to know, and that you have to do compared to this one, right? I'm going to go for the one that is the simplest. I'm going to go for the one that has the less work, the less amount contained. Now, for those of you who are wondering, what are these? This is the Old and the New Testament. This is just the New Testament, okay? Now, the reason I bring that up is because there have been many throughout the ages. This is not a recent development. This is like a 2,000-year-old kind of thing that would say that the Old Testament— which would be the law and the prophets, were not needed once Jesus came. That Jesus came and at his coming, all the things of the Old Testament were not needed anymore. And in a lot of ways, that would make me feel 
a little sense of relief if, if that was the case, because there would be much less that I had to know, much less that I had to be aware of, much less that I had to obey. And they argue that the Old Testament is just that, that it's old, that it has been done away with, that we don't need it, that the New Testament is all we need. Jesus, even at times, had some people think, you're doing away with all that stuff. You don't believe the Old Testament, the law and the prophets are needed. And in this passage this morning, answering probably this accusation from the religious leaders, Jesus says absolutely the opposite. Jesus didn't want to do away with the Old Testament. He wanted to come, and we'll see in a moment, to fulfill it. That everything is there for us still today. So let's look together this morning at the relationship between Jesus, the law and the prophets, and what it has to do with you and me. And eventually, you'll understand what in the world Spider-Man has to do with all of this. So if you have sermon notes, they're in your bulletins. I've got some fill-ins on the screen that you can join in. There are in the activity bins for the kids. There are some doodle sheets that have some places to take some notes as well. So let's begin with Jesus and his relationship to the law and the prophets in verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, Jesus says that he did not come to do away with any of them, with any of the law and the prophets. That's what he says in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Jesus is likely answering critics from people who were saying that he did come to abolish it. He says that I haven't come to abolish. And abolish just simply means it's a fancy word to say do away with or to get rid of. And so Jesus is saying, I did not come to do away with the law and the prophets. For Jesus, the entirety of the Old Testament was in play. He learned it growing up as a boy in Nazareth. He would have memorized the first five books at least, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, word for word. And he probably had the remainder of the New Testament, all the law and the prophets, memorized. He lived according to it in moral obedience, in that memorization, and in observing all of the, all of the festivals and all of the sacrifices yearly. And when he was tempted by Satan in the desert, he wielded and used the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, to resist the temptations of Satan. Jesus didn't do away with the prophets and the law by any means. Instead, Jesus said, I have come to fulfill them. The second half of verse 17, I've not come to abolish them, to do away with them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says that he came to fulfill them. Another way to understand fulfilling them is to say Jesus came to fill them up. As in filling up a gas tank or filling up a glass of sweet tea or probably even more, filling up a bowl of ice cream. He didn't come just to do away with it. He came to fill it up, to complete it, to do it. There are three aspects quickly that I want to highlight of what he came to fulfill, to fill up. 
And pastor and commentator John Stott shows us these in three areas. The first is doctrinal teaching. The Torah, or those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, instruct us all about God, about man, and about salvation. Stott says that every major doctrine in the scriptures can be found in those first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. And so Jesus fulfilled it in his person. He fulfilled it in his teaching. He fulfilled it in his work in life and in his work of his death on the cross. Jesus fulfilled the doctrinal teaching of the law and the prophets. A second area that Jesus fulfilled was predictive prophecy. Predictive prophecy, the foretelling of what the Messiah, God's chosen deliverer, would do. And so Jesus, the Messiah of God, fulfilled every prophecy about his coming. He fulfilled every prophecy about the sacrifices and the priestly duties. He fulfilled all of it that that Messiah God, that Messiah Jesus was to fulfill. He is the fulfiller of all the predictive prophecies. And he is the fulfiller of all the ethical precepts. This is the moral law of God or the behaviors by which we live in relationship with God and man. And he lived under it perfectly. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, he taught not only what it was about, but he taught the depth of it, the heart of the law. Not just the outward, what do you do, but why do you do it? Not just the outward behavior, but the heart attitude, the intent of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law in its teaching, in its prophecy, and in its behaviors, its moral code. Verse 18 Jesus says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. All of these will remain until Jesus returns. Jesus says that heaven and earth one day are going to disappear in the sense that God will pour out his judgment and his wrath and fire will come from heaven to renew, to purify all things. Jesus says when he returns and when God does this in purifying all things, that then and only then will the law and the prophets disappear. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any fire come to purify the earth yet. And I've heard of no one who has said, I saw it. So when I see it, and I understand it, Jesus hasn't returned yet, and this renewal of all things has not happened. Jesus says that not even the smallest pen dot In Hebrew, it's the jot or the tittle, these little lines, these little hooks, these little insignificant to us marks on letters in the Hebrew alphabet, not the smallest. We would say maybe dotting of an I or crossing of a T in our alphabet. Not the smallest dotting of an I or crossing of the T will will pass away until all of these things happen. The return of Christ which 
still will fulfill what are the remaining predictive prophecies. The return of Christ, following the renewal of all things, will be the point at which the law and the prophets will pass away. Until then, everything Old Testament remains for us. There is a few quick exceptions. And that is those things in the sacrificial system and the priestly system that Jesus fulfilled. He is the Lamb of God. We sang, worthy is your name. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, Revelation tells us. Jesus is the Lamb of God that was worthy to be slain for the forgiveness of our sin. We sang this morning, are you washed in the blood? The blood of Jesus cleansing us, washing us. He fulfilled all the sacrifice system. And he's our great high priest. He's fulfilled the priestly system. Those two systems, those we don't have to follow today because Jesus fulfilled those completely. But everything else, we fulfill. Jesus both affirmed and he fulfilled the law. And it remains until all of it is complete. Now that's a lot of information especially on Family Sunday. For, so for all the children who are with us, whew, that's a lot. That felt like school. That felt like probably, probably for all the adults, it felt like school. But this is very important because Jesus is saying, I didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament. I came to fill it up. I came to fulfill it. And not any part, not even the smallest I or T crossing, I dotting or T crossing will pass away until I return and heaven and earth is renewed. So what does this have to do with you and me? You and I and the law and the prophets. Here's what it means for us. Verse 19. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Our response, what it has to do for us, is to obey and to teach God's commands. Our response to the law and to the prophets is to practice or obey them. And to teach others to practice and to teach others to obey them. Those who do this, Jesus said, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Those who don't, those who break the commands and teach others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And so if Jesus has come to fulfill all of these commands, all of this in the Old Testament, I think it would make sense for us that there would be a high priority on obeying and on teaching others to obey them also. Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven in his great commission is, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. There was this high priority for Jesus to teach and to obey the commands of God. What else does this mean for you and I and our relationship to the law and the prophets? It means that we have to be changed if we are going to be righteous. 
verse 20, says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus lays out what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven, to have eternal life. And he says it's this, that your righteousness or your good living before God would exceed would be better than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These two groups were highly respected for their good living, for their righteous behavior. They had calculated that the law had 613 commands in it. 613. There were 248 do this. And there were 365 don't do this. 613 combined. 248 do it. 365 don't do it. And they followed this rigorously. But even they did not follow it perfectly. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, if you want to get into heaven, if you want to be in a relationship with me, Those guys who have calculated 613 commands, 248 do's, 365 nots, and have done it really, really well, but still they haven't done it perfectly, if you want to get into heaven, you have to be better than them. The ones that everybody looked at and were like, those are the guys. If anybody's getting right with God, those are the guys. And Jesus says, if you want to get into heaven, You have to be better than them. At the end of this whole section in verse 48 of chapter 5, he says this, be perfect. Be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Here's Jesus' standard. 613 commands, 248 Do's, 365 don't do's, don't break any of them your entire life. How many of you are in? I don't even want you to think I put my hand up. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? Be perfect. Exceed the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What is Jesus saying? Not even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could get in. Is there any hope for anyone? If it's on our own doing, there isn't any hope for anyone. But there's good news in this. And the good news is this, that Jesus was trying to make a point. He was letting them know that your outward obedience, your behavior, you're doing it all to the best of your ability will never stack up enough. You're always going to fall short. You need to be changed. There are two of those prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, back in the days of the Babylonian captivity. Ezekiel was in Babylon. Jeremiah was back in Judah. 
they were both talking to the Jewish people. And God used them to say these two things. He used Jeremiah to tell them this in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant or the the relational promise, the promise that I'll make with you. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I'm gonna write it on their hearts. I'm gonna be their God and they are gonna be my people. I'm gonna take my law and I'm gonna put it in your mind and I'm gonna write it on your hearts. And then, through Ezekiel, he says this. And I'm going to put my spirit in you to move you to follow all my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So through these two guys in two separate places, writing at the same time, God says, I'm going to make a new relationship with you. And no longer is it going to be this outward thing where the law is out there and you're trying to keep 613 commands. No, I'm going to change it. I'm going to put it in your mind and I'm going to write it in your heart and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit in you to help you to do it all. I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you different on the inside. You guys have been working on doing it on the outside all this time. And my standard is perfection. And even those guys, those Pharisees and tax collectors who do it so well on the outside, they can't do it. Guys, nothing, no person except me, Jesus is saying, is going to be able to do it all right. You need to be changed inside. You need to become a new creation. Jesus, when he was talking to one of those religious leaders, a guy by the name of Nicodemus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. <laughs> and Nicodemus said, what do you mean? I'm a man. Am I supposed to get back into my mom's stomach and be born again? He's like, no, 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 no. You have to be born from heaven. The Holy Spirit has to come and change you and make you new. He has to bring you to life. And when the Holy Spirit does that, I'm going to put my mind, or my laws in your mind and write it on your heart and I'm going to put my spirit in you to help you to do these things. Because Nicodemus, and if he was here talking to me, he'd say, Mark. And if he was here talking to you, he'd insert your name and say, you can't do this. But I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you a different person. I'm going to put it all in you. And I'm going to help you with my spirit to be an an obeyer of these. And I'm going to be the one, Jesus says, that I'm going to do it for you first. I'm going to do it perfectly. And I'm going to die on a cross for you so that you don't have to be perfect. I'll be perfect for you. I'm going to change the game, Jesus says. I'm going to fulfill it all. And it all still counts. It's all still for us today. But I'm going to change the game. No longer is it you doing it. I'm going to help you by my spirit. But you need to be changed if that's going to happen. Jesus had to do it for us. And so for all of you who are wondering, what in the world does Spider-Man have to do with it? Well, this is where Spider-Man comes into the whole thing. Now, from what I hear, and I hope, Spider-Man 
is in the building. So if Spider-Man is here, could Spider-Man come up front? Sp- oh, there, there he is. There he is. Spider-Man's, hey, can we give Spider-Man a round of, Spider-Man is here. Second to Jesus, this might be like my highlight of Jesus being in the room. Spider-Man, what's going on? I'm so glad you're here, everyone. Spider-Man, I've got to tell you, Spider-Man, I'm a big fan. Anybody else big fans of Spider-Man? We got a lot, there are a lot of big fans. So, you, you know what I would love to see? Since I'm such a big fan, I'm sure you Guess what? We got all these beams in here. <laughs> Spider-Man, could you do that thing where you like shoot the webs up in there and you like hit them? And can you like fly all around here? Can you do it for us? Go for it. No? Oh, come on. Are, are, listen, listen. Nobody will know that you were here. We'll, we'll, we'll like scrub it off of the live stream. That's all right. That's all right. Come on, just, just shoot it up. Can, can show me how to how you do that? Like, where's it come out of? Like, where? Can you shoot it? Okay, shoot it. Shoot it for me. It's not working. Come on, Spider-Man. You can do it. You can do it. Don't hold back. I got to believe, he says. I guess I'm not believing enough. But I'm starting to wonder. Is this really Spider-Man? I don't know. This, this never works out well in the movies, but let's see. Let's see. Is it? Oh! It's, it's Jason. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Jason. So that makes a lot of sense now why you weren't able to do it. You're not Peter Parker. No, Peter Parker is the one who makes all the webs shoot up there. But really, it's a device. <laughs> it's a device. <laughs> so here, here's the thing with Spider-Man. If you know the story of Spider-Man, Peter Parker was in a lab on a field trip, and he was bit in the hand by a genetically engineered spider. And it changed his DNA. So he was part spider, and he was part Peter Parker, and it made him be able to shoot. It changed him physically. He was able to shoot webs all over the place. He was able to swing. He was able to become a, a superhero because he was changed from the inside. You know, sometimes, come on over here, Jason, sometimes you and I may try to be outwardly looking like a Pharisee or a teacher of the law, trying to do all the right things, trying to obey all those 613 commandments to be able to be accepted by God. But no costume No work in trying to do this well will ever be able to make us on the inside what we're trying to be on the outside. As cool as Jason is, and as good as he looked as Spider-Man, he's not going to be able to shoot webs up there because it's just not who he is. God's made him very special, right? He's Jason Myers. And you and I, instead of trying to look the part on the outside, we need to be changed on the inside in order to be on the inside what we want to be on the outside. So can we give Jason a round of applause? Thank you, Jason, for 
being Spider-Man for us today. So you can go ahead back. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so thanks to Jason for that. See, Spider-Man had to be changed in the story. You and I have to be changed. If we're going to be on the outside holy and perfect and righteous, it requires that we're changed on the inside. We need to be new creations. We need to be born again. And so we're going to just take a moment to pray. And I would just encourage us, if today you're saying, you know what, I've been really trying on the outside, and all my life what I have heard is I've got to do all of these 613 things. That somehow God's, I'm going to stand before God one day, and he's going to say, why should I let you into my kingdom? Why should I let you into my family? And, and we're hoping I got more good than I've got bad, that the scales are going to weigh out, and I'm going to be okay. There's no amount of scales that will ever be able to be in our favor if it's you and I doing it. We need Jesus to be the one who is perfect for us and to, by faith, receive his perfection through his work on the cross. And the Bible says that we will be changed, born again. And so if you've never asked Jesus to make you new and to be perfect for you, I want to just give you an opportunity to do that. But also going to pray for a second because some of you may have asked that and you've asked Jesus to, to be perfect for you and he's been your savior and you know you're a new person in Jesus. But there may be that one area of your life and it's just been really a struggle for you. Things that you know you should be doing or things that you know you shouldn't be doing and you're just struggling to do it. It may be today that we need to just ask Jesus, Jesus, would you help me by your spirit to overcome this area, to be strong in this area, to be obedient to you in this area? There's this area of sin that's just got me. And I need you, Jesus, to help. I confess it to you and I need you to help me. So this morning I want to pray for us in two ways. And if either of those are where you land, just join me in praying in that area specifically, and we'll come to Jesus together. So let's pray. So Jesus, I thank you that you did come to fill up all of those commands. That you are the one who fulfilled all those prophecies, and the ones that are still left to be fulfilled, you're going to fulfill them when you come back again. You're the only one who has ever been perfect. And we thank you and we praise you and we say, worthy are you, Jesus. Worthy is your name. And so, Father, for any of us who are saying today, I, I need to be changed into a new person. I need to be born again, made new. If that's you today, you don't have to say exactly what I say, but it's your heart attitude. <coughs> it's you meaning what you say. And so you could just follow after me in a word of prayer, something along these lines. 
Jesus, thank you for being perfect. I admit that I'm not perfect. That I have failed many times. That I have sinned. And that I've come short of your perfect standard. Jesus, I believe that because you're perfect, that when you died, you paid for all of my wrongs, all my sins that I've done. And I admit those. And I believe that you are enough. That you can stand in. You can take my place. I believe in your death and in your resurrection. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to make me a new person. And I ask you to help me to live according to your commands. Thank you for this, Jesus. And if you're today here and there's an area of sin, you've asked Jesus to make you new, but there's an area of sin in your life that you've just struggled to get over, it has a hold of you today. Even right now, would you confess that sin to him? He knows it already, but we're just agreeing with him. And would you now ask Jesus to give you power by his spirit? that his spirit would move you to obey the command that you've been unable to fulfill. And would you ask Jesus for freedom from this sin? and even say no to the power of sin and to the power of the devil. Jesus, we thank you that you are enough for both of these. You are more than enough for both of these. The whole world could be asking for these things and you're enough, more than enough to meet every single one of us. So even in this room, we welcome that work in our lives. And we thank you that you came not to do away with all of the things of the Old Testament, but to fulfill it and to give us the power to live according to it for your glory and for our good. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said together.